We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane or on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Joining me today is not Keith Smith. It's a rarity, but not Keith Smith. He's taking a well-deserved day off. Instead, we've got Ron Gutterman here joining us. You can find him on Twitter at Ron Gutterman 24. Ron, thanks for hopping in here on a Friday. Yeah, always down to be uh, to be Keith standing, you know, when he's got to take a day off. We we all prioritize vacation time here. We don't want to discourage anyone from taking days <laughs> off. So uh, glad to step in for him today. We're, we're calling it a load management day for, for Keith. Yeah. He's uh he's t- he's taken a, a page out of the Kawhi playbook and he's taken a day a day to rest up and recover them then we'll have him back on on the next show. Uh we do have a, a decent amount to break down here in the NBA today and I guess the top story and I always hate this. I hate when we've got the the top story of the day is a negative story, but it's the nature of the beast. Here we are. John Collins out indefinitely with a plantar fascia tear in his right foot. That's painful. You don't want to deal with that kind of of an injury. Usually it's a pain management type of thing, even when you're trying to return from that. But for an Atlanta Hawks team that has not lived up to expectations this season, they've been one of the disappointments of the NBA this season. I mean, look, behind the Lakers and the Knicks certainly is probably the two main disappointments this season. But the Hawks have been been up there or down there, I suppose, as well. So what does this mean for, for Atlanta? Do, do we see them maybe falling out of the play-in tournament at this point? Or or what what could be at risk here, assuming John Collins misses a good amount of time, maybe this season? I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, they're kind of in a position where they, they're not really going to lose any ground. You know, they're, they're the 10th spot right now. Uh, they have a four-and-a-half game cushion over the 11th place uh, Wizards. Like, Four and a half games. They have about 15 games left. That's that's kind of a lot. And even though John Collins is, is a great player and he's very pivotal to what the Hawks do, I don't see them being, you know, oh, we don't have John Collins. We're going to lose 15 straight. Like, yeah. they're they're probably going to still be competitive in most of these games. And at this point, with a four and a half game cushion, if they just win, you know, maybe like five or six of their last 15 games, like, that should be enough. The Wizards are probably not going on some crazy like 12 and 3 tear mm-hmm. uh without Bradley Beal and and you know with what they have. John Collins on the season 16.2 points which is actually the lowest point total for him since his rookie season 
This is his fifth year in the NBA, 7.8 rebounds. Uh, and this guy can stretch the floor for you too, 36% from three, efficient shooter overall, 53% from the field. I mean, some of that is, is due to the attention that, that Trey Young gets. But when you look at this, like John Collins is a legitimate piece. He's a guy who the Hawks considered trading at the trade deadline, but I think they made the right decision to hang on to him. To me though, if he is out, and he is still dealing with a right ring finger issue as well, if he's not back, or if he's perhaps diminished come play in time, this could lead to the Charlotte Hornets getting through at least into the next round of the play in tournament. The Hawks are, can still be good without John Collins, but they're lacking quite a bit of punch. I think I might even favor the Hornets against them. I think I might favor the Hornets, period. But without John Collins, I think I have to favor the Hornets in the 9 10 matchup of the play in tournament. Yeah, I, I do think the Hawks stumbled onto something pretty great defensively, you know, with putting uh, Onyeka Kongu at mm -hmm. center. Like, that that has been kind of this thing that's unlocked a lot of their defensive potential as a team. DeAndre Hunter, obviously, great defender. Like, they, they can still be competitive in these games. But without John Collins, yeah, the Hornets, the Hornets have a lot of firepower. They're, they are an offensive-heavy team. They don't play a ton of defense. And... I sort of see, without John Collins, the the Hornets being able to kind of have their way with uh, with with the Hawks. And so, yeah, I do kind of favor the Hornets in that game. If, if John Collins can make it back for that game, it's much more interesting. It's probably more of a 50-50 toss-up. But it would be difficult, even in a one-game scenario, to see the Hawks having enough firepower without John Collins to get past the Hornets, which, even against a pretty solid defense in Atlanta— is is gonna get their points because it's just an offensive friendly team and we don't know for sure that he's going to be out like uh, there's players right now yeah. that are already being listed as out for the season we saw that with doug mcdermott yesterday uh so this is a lot of times with the plantar fascia tear it's it's a pain management thing that you're trying to deal with which it's incredibly uncomfortable to play with but still uh it, we don't want to assume that he's going to be out but it's i mean we're, we're getting up to it where we're so close to the end of the season that any little injury could very easily be season ending. If it's not, it could become season ending. I also want to note this. When we're looking at the bottom of the table in the Eastern Conference in terms of the play-in, uh, the Hornets are only one game behind the Brooklyn Nets. The Hawks are only half a game behind the Hornets. So there is still room for movement there. Uh, and we are in kind of a weird spot where for the Nets, it might actually help them to fall to... The nine seed, well, I guess they would actually have to fall to 10. Keith and I talked about this the other day in order to get home or in order to be on the road in the first the round opposite. of the plan. Yeah, in order to get, they're trying to be on the road because they want Kyrie to be able to play. As it is right now, they would be on the road, but it would be against Toronto and Kyrie can't play in Toronto because it's in Canada. The Nets are going to be in an interesting <laughs> position. Uh, so we'll see how this all, all works out. If they are able to fall all the way to 10, what happens there? Do they even want to go through the lengths to do that? And then what role do the Hawks play in that? If you don't have John Collins, that makes it less likely that the Hawks would be able to jump up and leapfrog a team like the Nets or even the Hornets. Yeah, I do think they're kind of stuck in that 10 spot. I don't see them surpassing anybody, but they have way too much of a cushion to fall. Um, the Nets, if you're the Nets, you hope that Cleveland somehow falls to 7 uh, and Toronto moves up to 6. That would kind of help you out a lot. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to think about with this playoff picture in the East. It's very crowded, uh, and John the John Collins injury just makes it where the Hawks are saying, "All right, like we're tenth. This is kind of where we are." And yeah, they'd love to move up to nine or eight, but the question is, will they have the firepower to do it? 
in these last, you know, in the last, I think, like four weeks, three and a half weeks before the season ends. Yeah, it's coming up quick, quick. It's coming up, maybe not fast enough for the Lakers, but but it's coming up pretty quick. Um, (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about Kemba Walker. Not a name that we've mentioned recently, but he is uh, right now. Not a name anyone's mentioned. Yeah. (laughs) Not Uh, a name anyone has mentioned recently at all. Absolutely. He's been kind of out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people, has been away from the team. Tom Thibodeau was asked like, hey, what, you know, what's Kemba up to? He doesn't know. He's been away from the team, not training with the team. She hasn't seen him, anything like that. Kemba Walker, uh, and this is from Mark Berman in the New York Post. Kemba Walker is right now training in Charlotte. He's back back home training in Charlotte. And that's led to some speculation that he might actually wind up back with the Hornets next season. Now, contractually, he's under contract for just over $9 million next year, but the Knicks are widely expected to try to trade him this summer rather than buy him out. Now, on a buyout situation, he can obviously go wherever he wants. If the Knicks are dead set on using that $9-plus expiring contract as a trade chip, then you could see Kemba Walker get sent somewhere, not really have a, a ton of say in terms of where he goes. Now, he could get shipped off somewhere and then get bought out. That's certainly possible. But still, interesting that we're already getting that kind of rumbling, connecting Kemba Walker, going back home to Charlotte. Is that something that that could wind up happening? I don't know. Run, what, what do you think about Kemba Walker potentially going back to Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just talked about the Hornets being like an offense first, mm-hmm. they don't have defense type of team. So it, it it's a little weird to be connected to Kemba Walker because like, what is Kemba Walker if not an offensive friendly uh, not so defensive minded type of player like that's just another guy that they would have there I you know he he would be a good mentor to LaMelo Ball I think he would fit in, in terms of not so much on the court but he would fit what they do in terms of off the court you know he could be a really good veteran leader for that team but if you're the Hornets paying a guy nine million dollars to be a veteran leader for a team that you know LaMelo Ball is a great player yeah, veteran leadership could help him, mm-hmm. but like spending nine million dollars on veteran leadership probably is more of a negative than anything. So you know, if he got bought out, I could absolutely see Charlotte saying, "Here's the minimum, please." Sure. Um, but at, but at nine million dollars, it's tough to say to to think Charlotte would not only want that money, but also have to send out you know an eight million dollar player to make it happen. Yeah, that's the question. Is I mean, you can. You can queue up Skylar Gray and, you know, I'm coming home and all, all that kind of stuff <laughs> with a with a Kemba Walker return. But I mean, what do you I mean, I guess you could it would be a straight swap with Mason Plumley, but that's a guy that they just added. You're, you're not going to want to swap him out just contractually looking at this. Um, I mean, there's a few contracts they could stack up, but nothing really jumping out at me as an obvious trade chip. So most likely for Kemba to get back to the Hornets, you're talking about some sort of a buyout taking place and then him winding up there through that route, that method. But again, we'll we'll have to see exactly how it all goes down. It's possible that they could have a little bit of cap room depending on what the, the Hornets wind up doing this offseason. Uh, but again, just something to kind of file away. This is the time of year. Stuff starts to come out and then we won't hear about it for a little bit. And you just kind of got to remember like, oh yeah, there was that connection because it might pop up again come June, July. We said the same thing about the trade deadline. All the rumored trades that didn't go down don't just like throw them away and, and delete them from your memory and assume that's not going to happen. Hold on to them. 
because sometimes that stuff just gets revisited in the summer. This could be one of those situations where maybe we start to hear more connections between Kemba and Charlotte once again come summertime. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I absolutely could see this this rumor coming back around, just like a lot of the things we heard at the deadline. That's that's how rumors go. It's a cycle, you know? <laughs> All right, Ron. Let's talk about our Lakers. Yeah, <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. So I asked over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, I had um I had Scorpio Sky, who is the the AEW TNT champion right now, right? And this is he's obviously just shredded and and just an incredibly tough person uh he's also great with with lakers now so, i mean he 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 knows his stuff he really knows his stuff so it was a really fun interview uh i would highly recommend that anybody go check it out but i asked him i said what is more painful right now getting into the ring or watching a lakers game and he picked the lakers game and said that despite getting power bombed three times the night before we did that that interview he said no watching a lakers game is more painful so that's that's where we're at on the season ron but the one or one of the bright spots we've seen is malik monk malik monk has been a fine for the lakers they've got him on a veteran minimum contract with 1.8 million this season the downside of this though this is, could be maybe a lose-lose contract, as our pal Eric Pincus termed it the other day on Twitter. Because if Malik Monk plays well, which he has, then you probably lose him. You don't have any kind of team control there. And if he doesn't play well, well, then you're eating up a roster spot for a guy who's not playing well. That being said, the production the Lakers have gotten this season from a veteran minimum contract from Malik Monk has been impressive. And now there's word from Dave McBenamin of ESPN that Rob Palenka wants to keep Malik Monk for next season. In fact, Rob Palenka said, and I quote, the partnership has been a win for both sides, both for the Lakers in terms of productivity he's had for us. And then I think on his side, showing people what he can do in big moments and in big games, he's a guy we would hopefully see as part of our future. So where does this leave the Lakers? They like Malik Monk. They want to keep him. We keep running into this, though. How can they hang on to this guy? It feels like everything is set up for him to stay. Everything's gone so well. Between It's the one, one of the few things that have gone well for the Lakers this season. And it's hard to envision a scenario where he's not on his way out the door. Yeah, the, the Lakers are going to have to get pretty creative if they want to keep him around. Right now, as it stands, 
they can offer him the taxpayer mid-level exception. It's going to be around $6.3 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. They can offer him that, but he's probably going to get more than that, right? Like, that's that's a little low on, on where he stands. So the Lakers can offer that and just hope and pray that he takes a discount, which at this point in his career, I don't know why he would. He already took a discount yeah. with the veteran minimum. Uh, so, you know, I don't really see why he would. So they're going to have to get creative because if they're going to get to his contract range, which is probably going to be closer to the full mid-level, which is going to be around $11 million, uh, they're going to need to clear some cap room. So how do they do that? Well, they could trade Russell Westbrook to a team with cap space, which is the ideal situation. Trade him to a team with cap space so you don't have to match salaries coming back. Uh, You then get $47 million off your books. And now you have a full mid-level exception to offer because now you're not even close to the hard cap. Mm-hmm. You're not worried about it. The other option, probably the less the less interesting one, but the more likely one, is you wave and stretch the $47 million owed to Russell Westbrook. You maybe get him to take back somewhere between 5 and $10 million in a buyout because that's what he'll go for in the market, you know, 5 ish to $10 million. Um, and then you stretch that. So you're looking at a cap hit of about, I don't know, Best let's case, say 13 per year for three years, 13. Yeah, 13 per year for three years. It's not great. But if you have Russell Westbrook at 13 million, you do open up the full mid-level exception. You do open up the biannual exception and you do allow yourself to be hard capped again. So like that, those things are ways that the Lakers can get to that salary cap number of 11 million. But it requires getting creative, and a little bit it requires either taking a really bad risk or getting really, really lucky. And a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder saying, yeah, we'll, we'll take him for, you know, if you give us a first-round pick, we'll take him for nothing. Like, you can just clear him from your books. Mm. I can't see that. I think even the Thunder would send back some kind of salary. But still. I think they would have to send uh, Derek Favors, yeah. I believe, to get under the salary cap to be able to do that deal. Yeah. Which, I mean, maybe you can pull off something like that. But is, is Malik Monk worth it? The hoops that you're going to have to jump through in order to keep him. Assuming, I mean, who knows? Maybe, I mean, look, there, there's a quote here from Malik Monk. Said, it's a beautiful experience, man. I love it. He says of playing with the Lakers. His brother said, we're very loyal people. The Lakers were calling him nonstop once free agency opened. We don't forget about that. On the other side, it's a business. But I would love to see him in a Laker uniform. Uh, the McMenamin piece detailed that the Lakers were even almost in on him at the draft when they took Lonzo. They were looking at Malik Monk in the draft and they've been high on him ever since and have been monitoring him ever since and been trying to figure out a way to get him ever since then. So clearly this is a guy they believe in. I can't imagine him taking that mini mid-level unless it would be some kind of a wink-wink thing where he takes it for one year, you get some early bird rights in there and then you then you do something the next offseason. You do like a one plus one. That would be a big leap of faith on his part, though. So let's assume that you have to get to that that full mid-level. Is it worth it, if you're the Lakers, to pay what you're going to have to pay to free up the room to keep Malik Monk? If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I think it is worth it, and it's not specifically because of Malik Monk, um, but having a full mid-level just increases the type of player you can go get. Now, obviously, uh, the the free agency class this year is not fantastic by any stretch. Uh, but, you know, let's say the Lakers were really interested in a guy like Mitchell Robinson. Mm-hmm. Let's just say, you know, Anthony Davis at the five doesn't work. Uh, his, his injuries make it so that he has to play the four during the regular season. Let's go out and get an athletic shot-blocking center in Mitchell Robinson. Well, if you have the full mid-level, you now can offer, like, you can get him mm-hmm. pretty easily, I think. That's about what he's going to go for, like $10, $11 million a year. So I think it is worth it, not specifically for Malik Monk, just to have some flexibility. That's that's the big thing about having Russell Westbrook's $47 million on the books. You have no flexibility to do anything. You're just stuck. You, you just have to sit there while other teams do all the good moves, mm-hmm. and you have to do all the bad moves. Like, you, you you've trapped yourself. So... If you're getting away from Russell Westbrook's money and it opens up that that full mid-level and the biannual exception, now you have room to like actually make good moves. Now you can say, oh, let's go give this guy $10 million and then maybe we can give an undrafted rookie the rest of the mid-level exception so we can sign him to a three-year deal instead of a two-year deal, a mistake they made with Taylor Orton Tucker. Correct. You open yourself up to like make moves that are actually smart as opposed to moves that are dumb. So like that's kind of... That's kind of why That's I say just like go and do it and figure it out. And if Malik Monk is that guy that gets the mid-level, great, fantastic. But it's not so much to jump through the hoops for him as it is to jump through the hoops for the idea of flexibility. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. It's going to be interesting because they knew this going in. When they made that that Westbrook trade, I mean, there if it didn't go well, there's no way out. Right? I mean, the only way out is more pain, right? It's not like, it's not like, I don't know. If you had done, it's, let's say you'd gone after, and this is water under the bridge, but if you'd gone after DeMar DeRozan or Buddy Heald or something like that, those contracts, well, maybe not easily movable. They're more movable than convincing somebody to pay Russell Westbrook $47 million this next season. Obviously, it didn't go the way the Lakers envisioned, but again, they knew going in that there was a chance if this doesn't work, you're really stuck. And we talked about this for Lakers Nation at the time you kind of bought into this team for the next two seasons when you did the Westbrook trade. Now it's pretty clear that this absolutely will not work. And in order to do something with Russell Westbrook, you're going to have to take more pain. It's just a question of which, which option are you going to pick? Are you going to attach all the first that you've got in 2027, 2029, whatever, and try to trade him somewhere? Are you going to buy him out and deal with looking at that dead money on your books for the next three seasons? Are you going to do that? We'll see what the Lakers ultimately do. But I think we'll find out a lot about what they think about Malik Monk based on how they handle the Russell Westbrook situation. Yeah, and I 
you know, I don't want to devote too much Lakers talk yeah. to the front office show. Uh, I really don't because I don't like it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just it's a huge offseason for them. And, and Malik Monk will be part of that calculation, I'm sure. Okay, so last thing we need to get into for today, Joel Embiid talked a little bit about his nickname when he called himself the process, revealed that it was in response to the dismissal of Sam Hinkie. Remember, there was there were some raised eyebrows when this happened with the 76ers. When they got rid of Sam Hinkie, there was reportedly maybe some pressure from the NBA that all this tanking was not a good look for the league. And so they moved on from Hinkie and then we got to see some of Hinky's plans come to fruition and he didn't get to actually see it happen as part of the organization. And so Joel Embiid is saying that when he, when Sam Hinky was still with the organization, they tried to downplay all of the process stuff because of the connection to tanking and everything. And so once Hinky left, Joel Embiid is like an, like an homage to this, the guy who believed in him and drafted him. And even though he was hurt at the time, so he started calling himself the process as kind of a nod to Sam Hinkie, which I thought was was kind of cool and kind of interesting that it wasn't until he left that he suddenly felt okay with doing that, and he was doing it to make sure that everybody remembered the guy who initially believed in him. Yeah, I I kind I get where he's coming from. It'd be a little weird if a player like nicknamed himself after his GM currently. Yeah, like that'd be kind of <laughs> weird. But I, J- I do James like, Moriball Harden. Yeah, like that would be that'd be weird. Uh, <laughs> But like I think, I think there is something to be said. Philadelphia 76ers fans, mm-hmm. the players, the fan base in general, everyone kind of looks at what's going on now and is like, Hinky did this. This was Hinky. Like you don't get, you don't get Joel Embiid without the process mm-hmm. and tanking. You don't get Ben Simmons, which doesn't get you James Harden. Like you, you don't. You're not able to make these moves if not for those three years where they were just like unwatchably terrible. Like, and and that was that was what you know Hinky said when he started that process. He said, "Fans, if you stick with us for for a couple of years here, mm-hmm. it's gonna be worth it." And I think, look, even if they don't win a championship this year, which they they could very well not win a championship. There's a yeah. lot of good teams. They're one of them. There's a lot of good teams. But even if they don't win a championship, like. If you told Sixers fans during the process five, six years ago, hey, you're going to have two of the NBA's 12 best players and you're going to be one of maybe five legitimate championship contenders, they would take that every day, even if they didn't win. Very true. Very true. I mean, if you look at, at what thing, the way things have played out, and there have been, here's the other part of this, there have been mistakes along the way that the 76ers have made. I mean, even just looking, look in the drafts. I mean, drafting like, you know, Jalil Okafor, that didn't work out. Markel Fultz, that didn't work out. Like imagine if, imagine if those picks had hit. And I mean, part of that is just the kind of crapshoot nature of the draft. You just don't know for sure with any of these guys, but there's the possibility that they could have wound up with, with some hits with those guys that they missed on. And this process could have gone even faster. Now, of course you could have not found anybody. I mean, look, the, the Lakers, ready to draft it. I mean, we always go back to this, but drafted the second overall pick for what three seasons, and and never got that one A guy as good as you know Brandon Ingram, D'Angelo Russell, as long, Lonzo, as good as these guys are, they're not that one A superstar. The Sixers were able to find that guy in Joel Embiid, so there is that unknown as well. Even if a guy is good, is he really that guy that's going to take you to that next level? But still. The concept is sound, this idea that the NBA, because they reward poor play, 
it's worth going this route. Now, the NBA has changed the lottery odds, and I will see if that has been enough of a deterrent. Plus, with the introduction of the play-in tournament as well, convincing teams to stay involved in seasons a little bit longer. The NBA has taken steps to try to get rid of this tanking, but it just is interesting that, that Joel Embiid's nickname will forever be an ode to this tanking strategy and what, frankly, probably worked for the 76ers. I think, I think if we look at it objectively, it was, it was successful. Yeah, the NBA, the NBA, the only thing it doesn't reward is being mediocre. Mm -hmm. It rewards being great and it rewards being really bad. And so NBA teams are taking that as well. Like if we're not going to be, and you can see it this year, the teams that are not good, and there, there are a few, you know, teams that tried to be good but failed. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you're either a good team or you are really, really bad. Houston, Orlando. Indiana now like Portland yeah like there's that that's basically what the league has become and I don't know if it's necessarily something that it probably needs to change a little bit mm -hmm. but if you look at the Sixers like if you are really bad for a couple of years you will be really good for a lot of years if you do a couple right things like drafted Joel Embiid which Joel Embiid was a risk at the time that's also a part of why Joel Embiid has this thing for Sam Hinkie because Hinky took the risk on him. It was not considered a sure thing drafting Joel Embiid at the number three overall pick when they did. Like, he was a serious injury-prone guy. There were major concerns about his foot. Like, that, it was a big, big risk drafting him at the third overall pick. And it, it paid off. And so I think Joel Embiid is saying, like, Hinky got us to this point by taking the risk on me, mm -hmm. taking the risk on Ben Simmons. And now here we are. We have this great team. And it's because of the work he did. And we should remember that. Which is fair. Which is fair. I always think of the 76ers fans that were holding up those signs saying, Hinky died for this. <laughs> Hinky did. <laughs> he, was, he was the architect, but he wasn't able to see it all the way through because of the pressure. I mean, look, the NBA, it's not a great look when you've got teams that are trying to lose. Uh, that and are and openly, openly telling you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not great for the league as a whole, but it worked. Okay, well, the NBA world never ceases to amaze us. Just a little peek behind the curtain. Right when we stopped recording this episode, boom, we get hit by Shams Tarania going onto Twitter and giving us an update on Stephen Curry. And then we got hit by Deshaun Watson trade news in the NFL too. But, but Steph Curry, let's get into that. We'll actually finish off the show with that one. Uh, according to Shams Tarania, Steph Curry sounds like the Warriors have dodged a bullet here. According to Shams, Curry has been diagnosed with a sprained ligament in his left foot. We'll sideline him indefinitely, okay, but the x-rays are negative. No fracture, no major damage. He gets reevaluated in two weeks. That doesn't mean he's back in two weeks. Reevaluated and returned are not the same. We always caution that, but still... This sounds like it's not going to be a season-ending injury for Steph Curry. He should get back out there on the floor. Maybe the Warriors wind up sitting in that three seed because they don't have him for a couple of weeks. They don't jump up to two and pass the Grizzlies or whatever. That may be the case. But the important thing, Steph Curry dodged a bullet here with that, that ankle injury. Keith and I talked about it yesterday on the show. Marcus Smart falling into his leg. If you want more details on that, check out yesterday's show. But Ron, th this is big for not just the Warriors, but for the NBA playoffs as well. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously Steph Curry is a guy with a history of ankle injuries. And so anytime 
there's sort of like an ankle thing around him and he anything with his below his calf you're just like a little bit more worried because it's Steph Curry um but to see that this is looks to be minor reevaluated in 2 weeks probably means if everything goes well 3 to 4 weeks uh which should take you to write about the playoffs so if the Warriors can get Steph Curry back for the start of the playoffs, that's fantastic, right? That's exactly what you want. They'll probably be the three seed, and they'll they'll be fine. I think the ideal situation for the Warriors is you would get him back with maybe three games left in the season just to let him get out on the floor, test his ankle out a little bit, that sort of thing, and then go from there. That That's the ideal. Now, if you don't get him back to the playoffs, you don't get him back to the playoffs. But We'll see how his recovery goes. But again, the fact that they're reevaluating in two weeks and not, say, four weeks or six weeks or whatever, it, it, you know, look, we see it with Anthony Davis. It can be worse in terms of just getting to a reevaluation date. So that's a good sign. A two week reevaluation date is a good sign. And again, this looks like a bullet dodged for the Golden State Warriors. So wanted to make sure that we got in that news. So that's where why we decided to tack this on here. Shams, <laughs> Shams hit it like literally right after we stopped recording the episode. Shams surprised us with that. So wanted to pop back in and make sure we got that info out as well. Yeah, I uh, also, for, for the Warriors, if they're the three seed, we are shaping up for what could be Ooh. a very, very interesting first round mm-hmm. matchup. If the Warriors are fully healthy, Steph Curry... Draymond Green, James Wiseman comes back. They could be playing the Nuggets, who we know could be getting Jamal Murray back, Michael Porter Jr. back. Uh, if 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 that is a fully healthy series, that is going to be seven fantastic games of basketball. So I just, for the basketball world in general, let's hope everyone gets healthy and that the Warriors stick at three. Because, man, what an incredible series that would be if that if that came around. Absolutely. That would be 100% a blast. All right, everybody. With that, we will actually head off for the weekend. Appreciate all of you joining us. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the sports world right now. You've got Major League Baseball playoffs. You've got NFL, or I'm sorry, free agency. You've got NFL free agency. Again, we just found out Deshaun Watson is shocking everyone. Changed his mind, apparently. And is now going, going to the Browns. Going, going to the Browns. Pulled the JD McKissick. Changed his mind and, and decided he's going to go to the Browns. We're waiting to see the terms Pulled of the like deal. A- Pulled like a four different people this yeah, offseason. Right. Randy Gregory yep. backed out of his deal with the Cowboys, went to the Broncos. NFL free agency has gone off the rails. Everyone is just, no one can make up their mind. And uh, yeah, it's, it feels a lot like NBA free agency where it's just like absolute chaos from the minute it starts. And then you're going to look at the league in two weeks and be like, whoa, <laughs> all these people change teams. This is ridiculous. How is this guy I have to learn there? A whole new yep. <laughs> yep. It's it's pro wrestling style. It's the year of the swerve, but it's but it's a lot of fun. Definitely enjoying uh enjoying what we're seeing there. But again, appreciate everybody joining us, given that so much else is going on right now, including March Madness, of course, as well. But appreciate you guys. Make sure that you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office Show. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. Follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and we definitely appreciate if you left left us that five star review. Till next time, everybody, have a great weekend. See ya and stay safe. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.